Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and I will be hosting today's episode, and I am joined by Connor Fisk. Connor is a professional pitcher that has pitched for the Toronto Blue Jays and the Colorado Rockies organizations. Connor is currently rehabilitating his arm from Tommy John surgery about 10 months ago. Connor also works as a pitching instructor during his offseason and has previously been on this podcast sharing his tips and insights on pitching development. Connor today is going to share his insights into his rehabilitation from Tommy John surgery. He gives lots of information about the exact details of his process, things that he's gone through, lessons he's learned, and things that he wishes he knew before he went into the procedure. This is a great episode for any athlete that's going through a rehabilitation process right now. Connor gives a lot of insights into what it is like to go through a long rehab process and some of the physical and mental struggles as long as what he's learned about himself and his body as an athlete by going through this process. Welcome back to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. My name is Michael Falk, and I'm joined by Connor Fisk, who's a professional baseball pitcher who's played for both the organizations with the Toronto Blue Jays and the Colorado Rockies. Currently, Connor is rehabilitating his arm following Tommy John surgery, give or take about 10 months ago. So uh, Connor is going to join us today. He's been on the podcast previously talking about his pitching um, style and what he's learned about pitching. Today, we're really going to dive into his experience going through this rehab and kind of what he's learned. So Connor, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So um, I always like to start with some background. Um, Could you walk people through kind of what happened with your injury and, and how you ended up meeting TJ? Uh, yeah, so I think it was right uh, when COVID happened, right, that year I didn't play. Um, I was with the Blue Jays as my last year of my contract, so I didn't. I wasn't released or anything. I just I didn't make the 60-man roster, and I became um, I became a free agent. So after doing that, like I played two years in AAA. It would have been three years that year, barring you know COVID not happening. Um, so my goal was, like, I didn't make it. I did something that, you know, was it, I wasn't allowed to make it up there, right? So I, what do I have to do? So number one thing was everybody's throwing harder nowadays. Like I threw, I threw decently hard, low 90s up to 95. But you know, how can I consistently throw harder and make my stuff better so that I get another shot? Um, so I started training. I went. I came to you. We got. I, you got me a program. Um, we assessed my body, and you know I started on that. I started a plyo, plyo care program. Um, I did that pretty well. But looking back on it, I didn't know what I know now. Obviously. Um, not to say I was doing anything terribly wrong. I was just doing stuff and you know pushing myself to throw harder because in one sense to throw harder you have to throw hard, throw hard as you can. So um, I did that for the whole off season. Um, my first time going live, you know, I was a little excited. Um, and with me being a veteran, I probably should have toned it down. And I threw just I, th- I think I was one. I should have threw twenty pitches. I threw thirty, and I just kind of shocked my body, you know, because I was throwing too hard. Uh, I remember talking to you about that. I was, I think I was sitting 92, 94, which was, I've been up there before, but it's been like, usually in my past, I'd, I'd be like one game, I might be 90, 94, then my next three, I'm, you know, 89, 91. And then I, I recover and I'm back up. So this time I was the first time sitting that consistently um, for bullpens and uh, simulated games. 
and I just pushed myself a little too hard. It didn't, you know, I didn't. I don't think I did anything damage, but I kept pushing after that because I had to get signed. It was, uh, you know, I wasn't with a team. I didn't have a job. I didn't know where I was going. Going to play next year. Um, I eventually signed with the Milwaukee Milkmen, an independent team here in Wisconsin, an American association. But before that, I had no idea. So I'd, I'd push through, and then um, I was lucky enough to get signed, and then it would just snap. So yeah, I mean, I think you hit on a lot of good stuff with that, like. The, I mean, everyone wants to throw harder in baseball today and trying to throw harder doesn't mean your arm's going to get hurt, but like people need to sometimes understand that like high performance and reducing injury risk are not necessarily like correlated. Like that's part of the idea of high performance is we're literally trying to take your body to the limit or, and if you were trying to improve, you almost have to take it, you have to take it outside of what you're used to and it doesn't mean that you're going to get hurt, but like everyone needs to go into that with a, with an open understanding that like, Hey, we're pushing the physio- what your body's physiologically capable of to try to improve your performance so that you can continue your career, get to this new level. Um, you know, America is littered with like talented baseball players that never had their arm injured, but they only threw 72 and they never got to go play in college or whatever else. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like the thing like I said there before, like I, I had a good program. Um, I had a good plyo care program and I was new to it. So it was, I was learning as I went and I don't think I did like what a common mistake I've seen is where kids, you throw the plyo, plyo balls as hard as I can. That wasn't, that wasn't my case. It was when I threw on my heavy days, I was throwing as hard as I could. And looking back compared to my program now and where I was, I was going hard every Monday and Friday consistently as opposed to what I do now is I go I had a heavy day Monday Friday for a week and then next week it's Wednesday so it's a Monday Friday Wednesday bi-weekly program where I go heavy on those days and as well as medium days so one week I'll have a medium days Monday Friday then next week it's Wednesday and when that I have that medium day Wednesday my heavy days are Monday and Friday so I'm getting about four days of recovery in between and I'm able to get good work in where before I just I didn't really have an idea of that I was just my goal was to throw harder and I accomplish that goal, but at the cost of my arm. Yeah. Unfortunately, our, our buddy Ben Heller is undefeated that everyone, everyone that he knows that's ever had TJ throws the hardest, like the day before they blow out. <laughs> I, I can attest to that too. Yeah. Cause I was, I think when I blew out and, uh, I was, I signed with the Rockies and I was, I went to Albuquerque. Um, I, I met the team in El Paso and I was sitting, uh, 92, 93, uh, consistently. And I think I was still throwing that hard after I blew out. So doesn't always get talked about is like the pre-surgery process just what that was like for you kind of got hurt in the game and then um, kind of going through picking a surgeon getting imaging trying to decide what graft you want to get etc um, how was that process for you uh, yeah it was, it was different i thought it was it was definitely a shock and awe like even though i i kind of knew i was going to get get hurt eventually because my arm wasn't feeling great when i went and signed with the rockies but um you know that's that was that's a dream that's a goal um unfortunately it happened um and then obviously working with you guys at kinetic and knowing ben heller um you guys mentioned dr mom before so when i got my mri with the rockies i got a second uh opinion from um, Dr. Ahmad, and you know he's you know very busy guy, very nice guy. Took the time, uh, twenty minutes to go over uh, what he saw and what he what he recommended, and basically what he said was like he goes, "I have a pretty serious injury. Um, I didn't tear my UCL like horizontally like most people. I tore it off the bone, um, which is also part of that 
I believe it's the, uh, the new surgery where they staple it back. Um, I was a candidate for that, but he said, like, looking at it, like, he goes, yeah, he's like, I would give it, you know, your six weeks. Because, like, I, I also was, they gave, they gave me a PRP shot to try to heal it. Um, that wasn't fun at all. <laughs> I think that was actually worse than the surgery, but um, I got a PRP shot. I tried to rehab for six weeks. And he said, in six weeks, you'll know if when you start throwing again, if you feel it, he goes, it's time to get surgery. So I felt it again, but the Rockies thought that I could still rehab it some more. So I rehabbed it for another six weeks. Um, and then the same thing it didn't get better. So when that happened, I knew that I needed to get surgery. And after talking to Dr. Ahmad, um, I mean, he's a very smart man, very, very confident, very, like, very well, um, like respected. Very, yeah, sorry, very well respected as well. And, um, I just felt comfortable talking to him. I felt comfortable, like, going to him. I kind of knew deep down. I remember I, I called you and asked you about, like, opinions on it. Um, the Rockies wanted me to go with their guys. So I, called him and talked to him and like he's he was a good guy too like i think he worked with dr mod before um he knows dr mod i just felt comfortable going to someone that has worked with the pts i was going to work with um because i knew i was going to come back home and work with you guys at kinetic so it was a pretty easy decision i just felt comfortable too also knowing he's one of the best surgeons out there um i i would rather go with that than go with someone that i don't know so yeah I think you hit on something really interesting um everyone wants to go to like the best doctor quote unquote and I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's a diff, there's a dramatic difference between like the best surgeon in the world and you know just your everyday run of the mill general orthopedic, especially in terms of specialty injuries like this. But uh, beyond just surgical skill, there's also the fact that this is a really scary time. It's it's terrifying to kind of go through your especially as a pro. This is your livelihood. Like this is your future. Um, and there's like some people call it bedside manner, but just like the ability to talk and ask questions and take time and like finding a doc that you feel really comfortable with and that will answer your questions. Um, I was talking to a college player yesterday and he's asking me what he should look like and look for in a surgeon. And like the, the two things that I tell people is like, ask them how many of these surgeries they do in a year. Like if they're doing less than 20, that's, you know, kind of a potentially something that'd be a little bit of at least like a yellow flag to ask some more questions about. And then second, like, how is that relationship? How much time do they take? Do they, do they learn about you and your goals or are they just in and out? They don't take time to get to know you or answer your questions. Like they just get their opinion and it's like, take it or leave it. Not like here's why and here's your other options and kind of laying it out. So you can really make like an informed decision about what's best for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause that's why, that's why I thought too. When he, when I got my second opinion from, uh, from Dr. Mott, he took the time. Like, I mean, like I said, he's a very busy guy. When I went there to get my surgery, he had already done seven times that week. I think he did one. He did mine and did another kid's from the Yankees, uh, who was an A ball, right after mine. Um, so like he, he, you know, he was definitely doing them, doing them a lot. And like I said, I just, I just, I felt comfortable after talking to him. He was, you know, that's like I felt he knew what he was doing. He had done it before. And to him, it was just another, is another surgery, right? Um, but he's gonna do it the best he can. Yeah. Um, and I felt very reassured with that. No, that's great. I think that's kind of helpful for people that are trying to decide, you know, what do they, what do they do? Who do they go see? Cause it's, it's a uncertain time for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to try, try to start diving into some of your specific rehab um, things. And I want to cover some general overview things kind of initially just about overall how the past 10 months have gone for you. Um, and then eventually I want to kind of dive into some specifics and in some individual phases. So What's been the most surprising thing for you from going through this rehab so far? 
mean, honestly, I never thought about it, but just kind of the growth as a person. It's like one of those things, like we just kind of talked about it, about how it's there's a shock and awe, and it's, it is a very scary process. Um, I think, I, like I said, I was fortunate to be working with you guys previously in terms of my workout program, and I wasn't injured. And then just knowing, like, knowing Ben Heller and the people you've worked with uh, in the past, um, being able to be able to uh, rely on you guys, and then you know, you know, rely on you guys for my rehab and, and everything. And like, Noah, I'm gonna trust that process with you. You're gonna give me the best, uh, best availability, the best um, treatment, everything. Um, and then going through it, it's it, the first couple of months are very scary. But then after that, you start kind of figuring out what your, what your plans are. Um, where you're gonna go from there, what, what you're gonna do. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that helped me was I wrote goals down on a piece of paper um, for my whole process and uh, I've been sticking to them and now they're basically, they've turned from goals to, you know, I've accomplished those, I have new goals and they're also some of the stuff turned into habits. So um, just being able to like grow as a person in ways that I never thought I could is, is a pretty pretty cool experience. It's almost like a reset button in life. You get like, a, like not many people get to, get to hit the restart button and it's, uh, you know, it sucks. Obviously, you don't get to play the game you love or the sport you love, but you're able to restart and reassess and then and then grow, grow from there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, I think we, we tell people that, like, going into it, and I agree. I don't think people understand it, like, how much you're going to learn about yourself going through this process. Like, especially, I mean, you're, you're older in your career and, like, you've had you've had ups and downs like throughout really high times. I think you almost set like the triple A ERA record or something one year. You're close to, yeah. So you had, you know, some really highs, you've had some like struggles in your career, but a lot of times for like a high school athlete that's going through this, um, this might be the first time that they've ever like failed and like had a setback and how much you learn about yourself going through that um you're away from your teammates you're away from coaches like you're just sort of by yourself and kind of struggling scared like in a in a lonely spot um i think that's a great point just how much you can learn as a person not just as an athlete yeah definitely especially uh, just touching the high school kids too like and even even kids that are younger um in pro ball or college like that have been very successful it's when you're very successful and i've seen that seen it playing pro ball like the guys are very successful when they start to struggle it is hard it's a very hard hard thing to go through because if you've never failed you don't know what that's like it's a new experience um and that's why one reason why i love the game of baseball and like with my career in my past i've had i've had those ups and downs i've been you know i've been almost on the top of the baseball world and i've been at, been at the very bottom um and it's you know the highs and lows and it's just it's being able to understand that you're going to fail but you're going to use that as motivation to succeed and then just keep powering through and then whatever happens whatever happens happens oh, i think that's awesome um, so what's been the most difficult part of your rehab? I mean, I definitely say the difficult part is just was it was a start was getting it, getting it going again. Uh, when you guys started moving my arm, we tried to do the range of motion. I did not like that at all. That was by far one of the most painful things I experienced. I don't even know, and I don't even know if painful is the right word because it wasn't a it wasn't a true painful. It was more like a burning. Um, burning sensation yeah. that just I just wanted to stop and you guys barely moved my heart so that <laughs> that wasn't fun um, and then I guess the difficult part was those first three months like those first three months you're not able to do anything like I wasn't like I couldn't work out I couldn't you know I could barely use my arm like my girlfriend had to cook food for me and like do stuff for me um, you know that I couldn't do and it's like you, you feel debilitated it's like you're you're broken um, and that's definitely part part of the process too is like where 
once you get surgery, the shock and awe, and then go in those first few months, like you can, you can lead you down a dark road. And I think I did a good job when I wrote down my goals to keep me kind of focused and, and set on where, where I was going. Um, and then like, I mean, we all go through dark times and I think like darkest time, like most kids would probably think this is amazing. You're a professional athlete. You get paid to play a game. Um, you're in, you have surgery and you have nothing to do all day. I played 80 hours of Assassin's Creed in one week, which is more than most people work in a week. Um, and looking back on it, it wasn't, you know, if I kept doing that, I could have went down a very dark rabbit hole, but, um, you know, just getting, getting away from my rehab and focus, but it's one of those things when you can't do anything, like that's kind of almost all I had for that, for that week and that time is I can't, I can't work out. I can't do anything else. I have, I have, I can't really work cause I can't use my arm. So I'm sitting there at home. I got nothing to do. You get bored, but you know, it's not a bad thing to play video games. Just don't, don't get sucked into it. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, uh, I think it's important to like allow yourself to grieve during some of these time periods. Like, and I think that, you know, reflecting on it, we like, you were on our like radar. <laughs> like we we're all kind of at various points. Like, do we need to start getting worried about Connor? But at the same time, I think throughout my career, it's like I started to learn that like everyone has to go through their process. Yeah. And like, you know, you kind of had to go through that. I think you kind of just like everyone, you sort of had your, had your time of like grieving, like feeling bad for yourself, getting like sitting at home, not doing anything. And then like, boom, like you kind of finished that phase, came back and attacked it. And, and it's like, that's, that's okay for, for people like to have that space just yes you need to like you as an athlete need to be aware of that and like ask for help when you need it and you also need to have like a circle around you like you've got a really supportive girlfriend and stuff and and obviously us at the clinic and just friends in the baseball world here that like kind of got reconnected with and help help watch out for you and like also help snack snap you out of it eventually so that you yes, don't end up yes. down that dark hole yeah i think it definitely the girlfriend was the one that really <laughs> sat me out of that one because uh when she's working, working a working a job, and I play eighty hours of video games, it doesn't doesn't bode well for me. Yeah, at home. Yeah, that's uh, that, I think my wife would probably feel the same way. So, yeah. um, I know you've kind of mentioned your goals a couple of times, but has then has there been something that's been like the most meaningful accomplishment or milestone that you've hit so far throughout yeah, the rehab process? Yeah, couple couple of them I haven't reached yet, and I probably won't reach for a while. But I'm in the process of doing them. So one of my goals was to sit 95 when I come back. And that one, obviously I can't do that right now, but I am in the process of that. And with that too, was like, I was, I was a guy, I was pretty, you know, I had talent. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was like extremely athletic, but I had talent. And um, I kind of rode that talent throughout my career, like up until, you know, COVID hit. And that was another reason why I was like, I needed to start throwing harder and do something because, you know, it goes back to one of the sayings I learned when I was a kid. I think it's my brother who played, he played hockey at Concordia. Is one of his favorite sayings is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, you know, and I wasn't working hard enough uh, to deserve that call up to the big leagues. So one of my goals was like, I have to get stronger. I have to get in better shape um, because, you know, for a lot of times I didn't realize like, you know, when you're younger, you can kind of eat and drink and do stuff that you think doesn't affect you, but as soon as you get older, it starts, it starts too. And I realized I looked in the mirror, I was like, you know what? I'm not in best shape. I'm not, my body's not where it needs to be. Um, and then I, I worked that off season to get stronger before I blew out and it, it did well, but I still had a long way to go. And I think one of the things with that was I worked harder. I worked on my mechanics and stuff. Um, I just didn't know what I was doing in a sense. I thought I had my vision 
and I didn't really have anyone like I do now with uh, Carter at BRX to kind of bounce ideas off of and work on like where my body needs to be in position. And that kind of, that was kind of one of the things that led to me getting hurt was just being out of position with my arm. Um, but then the other goals too is I think one of them I think is to be the most meaningful is when uh, I'm going back to school, I'll get my degree this fall. Um, or yeah, I, I, this fall. So I'll finish, I got summer school right now and then I'll get my degree. So that's been been really huge for me and it's, it's taught me a lot, you know, going back to school and having having that full plate while while coaching and doing lessons, um, you know, as as a job right now, uh, to survive. So it's been uh it's been definitely a whirlwind, but it's definitely exciting and it's it's opened open open my my mind to a lot of different possibilities. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. I just wanna like you said something I don't even know that you realize, but I think it's really cool just in these last two answers you've brought up like your girlfriend us and our team here you brought up carter you brought up some of these things that how important having this team around you during the rehab process like yes you're we can't do the work for you and none of us understand what it is that you're going through what your body feels how your elbows mm-hmm. feeling etc but um, it's just so important to have this support network and what that might look different for different athletes and kids but it's, yeah. it's just one of our core values of our business is like this team atmosphere where you have like all of the relevant professionals might be strength coaches, PTs, athletic trainers, pitching coaches, mental skills consultants, yeah. you know, family members, whatever the case may be that like we all have to support you going through that. Like that's our role. It's like you drive the, you drive the bus, but like we have to yeah. make sure that you've got the support that you need to do it. Definitely. Definitely. I think too, just being, you know, playing for so long to the minor leagues and seeing a lot of guys go through it is you know, it's, it's a blessing to be at home and be able to do this because I think most people, um, as a, we talk about Tommy John, it's a very dark period. Like, people go to a very dark place, like I said before. Like, mine was, you know, thankfully it was just video games for eight hours a week. <laughs> but other people I've known, they, they, they get into a dark rut, and it's, you know, it does change you, right? It does change you. So if you're not on top of it and, like, you set your goals and do the right things, it can change you for the, obviously, maybe for the worse or for the better, depending on what you do. But I know being at a complex where you're at the complex going there six days a week, the same routine, you're away from family, friends, girlfriends, um, you know, mothers, brothers, sisters, fathers, all that stuff. You're away from them for so long. Um, it's very tough and it definitely changes you. I think being home and being around that, having that support group close and being able to talk to them every day definitely helps out. It's definitely helped me out a lot in this process. Yeah, for sure. You're going to get your college degree with a minor in Assassin's Creed. I think it's going to, yeah. I think it's going to say yeah. that at the bottom. All right. So is there anything that you wish you knew before you started this rehab? Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot, a lot I would say was what I didn't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to say like you, I remember reading this question when you gave it to me and it's like, what, what do I know? Like, I mean, it's hard to say because it's different for everybody. Like the process is so different. Like, I think the one thing I, I want to know is probably more about the pain of like getting range of motion back. Cause that was the worst part of the whole process so far. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's like, I thought about, it. I don't really know what to say on it because it's, it's different. It's, it's, there's not much to be said other than it's, it's a very long process and you just, you have to stay focused on it consistent and just yeah. make sure you do everything that your PT is giving you, everything that your strength coaches are doing with you or whoever you're working with and just stay focused on that because everybody's going to run the different, different things, different obstacles. Yeah. Um, as I've learned, as I talked with Carter at BRX, who had Tommy John as, uh, you know, as I've heard the stories of Ben, Ben Heller, he's had and, uh, and the guys that I've played with countless guys I've seen, it's just, 
there's it's very hard for me to say what I knew what I wish I knew because there's it's just different there's you, you don't know what to expect until you're in it yeah no I agree and it's hard we try to give people ideas and stuff but you know you mentioned how hard it was to get your range of motion back mm-hmm. you know some of the high school kids become like two days after surgery, like they've yeah. got full emotion, it's, it's you know, everyone's just different. Um, you did not have that experience. Yes. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's, let's kind of dive into some specifics. I, when I think about this rehab and kind of with where you're at, um, I kind of chunk it into sections. There's sort of part one is just right after post-op roughly until you get full range of motion. And then the second part is sort of everything before throwing. So getting you back into the weight room and training, doing some plyometrics, et cetera. Um, and then part three is like the throwing portion. And then that's where you are right now. Um, and then part four, you haven't quite gotten to, and that's actually getting back into the games and then staying on the mound for the long run. So in the earliest phase of rehab, kind of that post-op through getting your range of motion, um, you've already mentioned that it was really sore. And you already mentioned the biggest challenge was just like getting that range of motion. Um, was there anything in that phase that you remember was like really key that you really focused on? Uh, yeah, just trying to get my arm to move on my own without you guys pushing it, which was much more variable. And then just trying to do anything like once I could start moving it more, just doing like simple household activities or even like that's why I started playing video games because I, it's pretty much all I could do. And like being able to like hold a controller and move my fingers was, you know, some, some kind of exercise. Now, again, like playing it for extended <laughs> periods of time, not the best thing, right? There is a thing that's overuse, but like, you know, for the longest time, I couldn't, I couldn't do those simple activities. Like I couldn't, I couldn't cook. I remember I had, uh, when I first started this too, I like, well, my goals going back to that was I try and change my, you know, change my diet. Like I had already done that previously, but I was like, I got to get a, I have to do this better. I have to make sure I make these, these lifestyle changes so that I'm putting better stuff in my body all around that will help me heal faster. So I did a lot of research on that, but I bought um, these rotisserie chickens. I had to call my brother because I couldn't pull them apart. Like I just couldn't, like I literally couldn't move my arm to pull them apart. I was like, I have the bandages still on there. I was like, I can't get chicken grease and stuff all, all over it. So I was like, I called my brother and he had to drive, you know, 10 minutes from my from my parents' house to come, come do that for me. So um, that was definitely hard. But I guess like, I guess part of that process too, I will say was one of the best parts was uh, me and my girlfriend went to a wedding. She was in a wedding. And one of the most exciting parts of that, like I like all my work I was doing, like, I hadn't been able to put like even just a cup of water. I couldn't drink a cup of water. Like I, I had to use my left hand. I couldn't use my right hand. And we go to this wedding. It was the first time I was able to like uh, put a drink to my mouth. And it was a beer. So that was pretty. It was pretty exciting <laughs> to be able to drink a beer with my right hand. I, I thought it was pretty cool. So <laughs> yeah, it's but that's that's good. Is it's a. Uh... I think you're kind of hitting on it there. Like in that early phase, you're you're a year, 12 months at least from like a game or throwing on a mound or whatever. Um, that can't be your goal. Like it has to be that little thing. Like I want to be able to pull apart a rotisserie chicken, drink a beer, do whatever. Like you've got to find these bite-sized goals because if you're sitting there two days post-op and all you're focused on is the mound, the mound, the mound, like you're never going to make yeah. it. Like you're never going to focus on the details that you need to, to get yeah. to there. It's, eventually. Too, it's too big of a goal. You're too far. That's definitely the, the process. Like I'm 10 months in now and I'm like, still like I have, you know, I have eight more to go basically until I'm, I'm ready to play until, until I can play again because I'm not playing this year and I won't play until, you know, hopefully I sign with the team. I'll be playing uh, in spring training next year. And that's still eight months away. Yeah. Um, so it can definitely go a dark place very fast. Yeah. All right. So then moving past, you know, that first phase, is, it's really important, but not 
all that exciting. <laughs> as, not not as, yeah, as Connor said, so move into more interesting things to talk about. So, sort of the second phase, um, what was it like for you to integrate yourself back into like what we'd call like normal training, um, where you're getting back in the weight room doing the same movements that you usually do, like rows and bench press and all of those things. Um, maybe the weights aren't the same, but just what was that experience like to kind of go from not doing very much to trying to use your arm and start training oh, again? And the, fir- the first thought was I was just like a kid in a candy store because I had been cooped up for so long and not being able to do anything. And it was just exciting to just get back to do something. Like, I don't think I've ever been in my life that excited to work out again. <laughs> Um, ever and just being able to get back to do stuff to like get stronger was you know that was another part of my process one of my goals has been to get stronger and change my body and become more athletic and it was like it, it took a long time but like I couldn't like one of my biggest goals was to be able to do push-ups um, couldn't do those for a while but as soon as I did them it was it was amazing it was just it was a great feeling to be able to start getting that strength back because like those first couple months like I said we're not doing anything like I can only play you can only play do little things like play video games like you know, move your, move your arm, uh, by yourself, try to like drink as many cups of water as you can to get some, <laughs> get some, uh, motion going. Um, as long, oh yeah, with, with my motion, just getting it back little by little too. Like I said, those little things, just being able to do that. And it was just, it's a slow process. I can't do, I couldn't do much, but it was just like little by little and you just build. Yeah. Did you, what, what other things, you know, kind of mentioned like push-ups being a big goal, but what else did we have you do or did you do during this phase, like gearing up to, you weren't throwing yet, but like trying to get your body and your arm ready to start a throwing program? Um, with doing that, I think it was a lot of like, you know, talking with Carter at BRX um, on what, like, what I needed to do is I showed him a video before I was hurt and we kind of went over that and then just kind of doing a lot of visualization and mental mental preparation because like I said before I was doing the pile care program and it wasn't I was doing it that terribly wrong but I, I, I was kind of missing on what the right motion and the right right motion for my arm and what I was trying to do so and that's which, which is what led to me getting hurt is because you if you don't have the correct motion right the correct correct arm path the correct sequence you're going to add stress and just throwing in general is going to add stress but just kind of visualizing that to get my arm path to where I want it to be. So when I first started throwing, it was a lot more comfortable than just not thinking about it at all. So I did a lot of thinking of that. I watched a lot of video and just kind of tried to figure out what I needed to do and what my plan was. So I had, when I first started throwing, it wasn't just like what you guys gave me as a program. I go, I had ideas and like, and drills that I wanted to do right away to fix my mechanics just from the get go. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we see when we watch high schoolers versus pros that I talk about all the time is like, even in that, the first, which we'll talk about next, but as you start throwing, like it's pretty easy and and low effort, but like the pros never waste a throw. Like even from the very first pitch of like post-op, like you guys are focused on working on something. And even though it's low effort, it's, it's not that you're not just going through the motions. You guys have plans and thoughts and you're trying to work on things yeah definitely that's something that i coach i coach high school this spring um i do i do lessons and i coach um at two facilities and that's something i try to tell and teach my kids as well it's like you know you don't have to be a pro to do that it's something you can control on your own it's just having a purpose with each throw um if you if you, i use the explanation if you throw like you're playing catch with your dad on fourth of july right we've all probably you've all probably seen a commercial with it on tv and the kid usually 
not good. He's not very good. Dad's not very good either, which nothing wrong with that in the in society. But if you're trying to be a baseball player, you can't play catch up that. You have to have a purpose. Like in throwing, we have one shot a day. You have one shot to throw. You can't hit, like hitting. You can hit four or five times a day, right? All day, every day. Throwing, you have one opportunity. You have about forty five minutes to an hour and a half, depending on your throwing program, and that's all you have for that day. So it has to be focused. You have to have a plan. And some days are going to be bad, right? Some days are going to be bad, but if you put the consistent work in, your good days will outweigh your bad days, and then that's how you get better. That's, uh, I think that's really, really good advice and, and an interesting way to look at it with like just that time opportunity. Mm-hmm. Did you have a lot of fear, anxiety? Because in this phase, this is where you really start pushing your arm a little bit more. Yes, we're not pushing it with um, like hard, hard throwing or anything like that, but. You're doing some upper body plyometrics. You're doing push-ups. You're starting to push the weight. Was there, was it difficult to go from kind of almost wanting to baby your arm and protect it in the early phases to like we keep, you know, we keep harping on you like no, like push yourself, push yourself, push yourself. Yeah, I think the fir- the first part. I remember when I first threw a ball, it was pretty exciting. It was like <laughs> I had I was working with Brett. I'm working with Brett now, and uh, you know it's pretty exciting. I actually threw the ball. Like it was like pretty cool to see something go forward out of my hand after four and a half months. <laughs> But the first part of it, I wasn't bad. I think I was like, anybody, you're going to baby it because it's, it's different. It's a new feeling. Like, you're going to rethrow and you're going to, like, you have to you have to take it back because your body is going to be, like, you're going to feel good, feel athletic, and then you're going to, like, normally how you throw, you let it go. And I had to throw it, like, 40 miles an hour. And it's like, if I, if I actually, if I just threw it like a normal person, it would have been probably, like, 50, and that was too much for my arm to handle. So... Um, there's definitely a babying it, but I didn't feel terrible with that. It wasn't until I think I started progressing a little bit further is when I had, I think I had a scare a week where I got kind of scared because I had that stress. And then I got some of the best advice I ever received from Carter at BRX was saying that your arm is never going to feel good again, basically. <laughs> it's like, you're going to have these pains. You're going to have this stuff going to happen. One day you'll feel good. One week you feel good. Next week you may not feel that great. Um, and that's just kind of part of the process. So knowing that like really helped me. I was like, kind of like, okay, well, it's not going to feel ever. It's not never going to feel normal again, how it was pre-surgery. So then I just have to just go through. I just have to know that it's not going to break. And if it does break, then that was, that's just my body and my body's not meant to have that. So um, I think we're in a good spot now, but um, you know, just so it's still about so process. Yeah. I think that's great perspective and kind of a good way to transition into talking about kind of your process going through the throwing program um, how, like, how have you, what have you used as you've progressed through this throwing program? So going from that initial time touching a ball and just being excited to see something fly forward to now you're in the midst of a mound progression, like what has your, what have you done to challenge yourself, make sure you're pushing yourself hard enough, but not too hard. What does that look like? Ah uh, yeah. So when I first started, it was the first part was just was the arm path, right? So um, if we had video, if, you, if everybody could see it, you could see what I looked like before, and there you can, in, in the video you could see there is athleticism in there, right? There I wouldn't be able to throw ninety five if there wasn't. But I also wasn't moving very fast. I was very stiff and rigid. It was very jerky, and I was like, well, I have to smooth that out. I go like most big league pitchers they have, and even pro pitchers I play with my peers very smooth very effortless mechanics you know and everybody throws differently but like i go i know i could do that because i've done it in the past and i just kind of got away from it because my whole career was focused on throwing strikes and getting outs i wasn't focused on trying to become the strongest or throw the hardest my goal to get to where i was was to focus on throwing strikes and getting outs and i did that for the most part i had a very nice career in doing that 
Um, but through the rehab process, as I wanted to evolve and, you know, get myself better, my first goal was I have to work on my arm prep. Arm prep. So I started doing drills with, uh, namely like the lasso drill, um, the pivot pickoff, just simple drills to kind of get my arm path going to where it was. And then obviously working with Brett and Carter uh, BRX during my rehab, that helped. And then from there, once I got my arm path kind of down, then it was like, okay, you have that down, now let's incorporate the legs. So now I start, I added some more drills, like, you know, the janitor throw. Um, I did like the balance point throws that, um, that I do in my lessons, just to come to your balance point and then sit in your back leg and you have to drive with your back leg. To throw, um, just starting to add the add the a little bit speed momentum with the legs, and then get, keeping the arm path the exact same as I worked on. Um, and then from there, from there it, it started to once I got that pretty much down, and I was good. It's now it was you know starting to get the arm back in shape. So it's like you know moving faster. And each week I had goals for velocity. Um, so I'd see where I was at. I'd start out where wherever I was at. I can't remember where I was at exactly, but I started out as I was at let's say like sixty five. For that week, then the next week it's like, okay, let's go up a little bit. And then each week it's like when I have when I have a heavy day, the usually that Friday is my I have Friday is my goal to hit the high my highest velo. So I think it was the last week I hit my goal was hit ninety. I only got to eighty nine point one. That's as high as I can get, but still very still very good. Uh, although I've heard the BRX gun is down a little bit. It's not juice, so I might have hit 90, so we don't know. We're going to say that. <laughs> we're going to say that. But either way, I, I got to my goal, and I pushed my arm, and then this week um, is more of a medium day, and I was just working on my mechanics in the mount. So um, my medium days is when I work on my mechanics in the mount. I do a lot of mount throwing, I think, too. That's something different I've done in the way I process that I think most people did. Was I got on the mound, um, not throwing a bullpen, but just I throw, like, my medium days, I throw twice a week in the mound. So this week I threw Monday, Wednesday. Next week, I'll just throw Wednesday on the mound. Um, but I'm doing a lot of mound work, a lot of mound throws um, to work on those mechanics, to work on the stuff that I was working on earlier and incorporate that because our job is the mound. I'm a pitcher. My job is the mound. So why not do more throws in the mound? I'm also I'm not throwing them as hard. They're, those days are usually 80%, which now I hover around you know, mid-upper 70s. And on a good day, I might hit 80 with my 80%. Um, and that's where, that's where I'm at. Just, just kind of just keeping that pace steady and just continuing continue to grow. Um, I think that's so helpful. Um, I think too often people don't do anything to monitor their throwing, really. Um, we are huge fans of using some type of objective measurement other than just the number of throws that you had um, to dictate like progression and, and intensity because you can throw 60 feet at high effort. You could throw 60 feet at low effort if you don't know where you're at. A, you can't track progress. You can't make sure you're pushing yourself more. Um, and so we kind of jokingly call it like during the rehab process, like using the radar gun for good, not evil. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, and we struggle at times with this with high school kids. It's like, it's, I'm giving you this cap. It's not that you have to hit it. It's that you can't go past it or like, mm -hmm. okay, we're giving you the floor. I do want to see you get past that. And here's your range. And without that, it can be really hard to tell are you moving forward or are you not like you might feel better but if you're not yeah. throwing any harder we're not actually increasing the intensity on your arm yeah definitely i mean i just i think definitely it's with the yeah, high school kids young kids that don't have as much experience right like you said you, you you haven't failed yet you're going through this 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 scary new process um to everybody you just have to like stay within yourself and that's why i say like the best piece of advice is write some goals and like keep it like when you're at the limit to where you can't throw harder than what your program says 
your goal shouldn't be about throwing hard. It should be about what can I fix? What is my goal to fix and throw today? What, like, what mechanical adjustments am I going to make? What, am, I, am I executing those? Am I doing that? Um, every day and that's something that's very very like very beneficial like we talked about earlier with uh, you know just having a purpose of each throw and I've done that for my career and I think one thing and I've mentioned this to people I do lessons with now is like you know it's great to work with someone that knows 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 throwing knows pitching um, but if you're not doing it on your own and that's where I recommend them like video yourself right video the throws I got like I was you know I played professional baseball for eight years until I had surgery now um I've videoed pretty much every single throw for about four months. Um, it was, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like I think Carter Burex was giving me shit about it. Um, but you know, I videoed all my throws, and that's how I was able to make a lot of those adjustments that we talked about. It wasn't just doing it; it was being able to do it and then see it. Like, okay, now that's what I. This is what I feel. This is what I. This is what I'm seeing. So, like, how do I create that feel? Um, and get to the positions that I want to with that same feel because like you may feel something I may say hey that looks like a great throw and you think it's a good or you feel it's a good throw but then how do you replicate that because you you may that may that feeling may be different the next day that's how throwing is so it's like you have to have such a body awareness and to be able and if you don't have the body awareness which I think only very few of the athletes do is why they're so good video is a very good tool now, you don't want to overanalyze every little throw, but just use it as part of your progression. Right? You don't have to video every throw like I did, but I would just recommend a video five, five, ten throws of your of your throwing of each drill that you do. That would that will help a lot. Yeah. And it's taking some ownership over your process. And I think that's what's been awesome about your um, like the way that you've gone through this from day one, from when you got injured. Um, and you and I spent lots of time on the phone when you were still in Colorado and then obviously together in our office and throughout this process, you've been you have listened. Like we see some athletes that like they want to take ownership, but they just like go do their own thing and they're not actually listening to they'll get advice and they'll just be like, no, I, I, I'm going to do it my way. Right. And that's not helpful. Cause like no offense, but like you guys, don't, you guys don't know as much as like the medical professionals and, yeah. and the strength coaches and the pitching coaches. But I think it's also a mistake to just be passive and just do things because people tell you to. Mm-hmm. And I think you've really done a nice job from day one about educating yourself, asking, like finding a team that you trust, asking questions, staying engaged and taking ownership over it. And like, and engaging us in conversations, like, why are we doing it this way? What if we did it that way? What if I threw more on the mound? Or what if I did these drills? Right. And, and that's okay as an athlete. I think it's important from day one, when you start picking your surgeon and like ask questions, don't just, it's not, there's not only one right way to do this. There are a multitude of different ways to attack throwing programs, to attack yes. these different phases of the rehab. And it, to, you said this earlier, like everyone is different. I think it's just really important to, to be involved actively in your rehab program. Like listen, don't just go, yeah. don't, don't go do your own thing and not, not listen, but like ask questions and make sure you're comfortable and you understand the whys. Yeah, definitely. Because it's, it's, I mean, it goes back to, I think you guys had a post the other day about like uh, workout programs and like, it doesn't matter if you get the best program in the world or a subpar one, it's, it's how you execute it. And like I said earlier about the growth process too, like that part of that growth process was me researching stuff and learning like, okay, how am I going to eat better? How am I going to throw better? How am I going to work out better? How am I going to get my body to do the things in my mind? that I've known with my experience and the years of playing, like I know I need to do this, like, but how am I going to do that? So it's having that process, asking the right questions. And then, 
you know, not being afraid to go off the path because I know like with being with organizations, they usually have a standard protocol. It's, it's almost the same for everybody. Like I would not be throwing on the mound as early as I did. I would not be throwing the mound as much as I have. I probably would be doing plow balls, plow care program at all. But you know, I could be wrong with some of those organizations. But um, being able to communicate with you guys and talk like this is what I think I want to do, and like what what where is that? How's that going to look? Right? Because I think when we first started, like Brett talking to Brett, we were going to do flat ground work. And I was like, well, I think that's dumb personally. I was like. <laughs> Like, why would I throw a flat ground when my job's in the mound? If I'm going to throw a flat ground, why can't I just throw off the mound like 45 feet into a net? And that's kind of how I started was just getting more mound work because, you know, I'm throwing at a net. Actually, that was 10 feet away, but I'm, I'm able to do throws on a net or on a mound to a net as opposed to just do a flat ground where that's I – don't, I don't think that's benefiting me at all, at least, at least personally for myself. So, you know, like you said, being able to communicate and have a process, ask questions, you know, and then not just – blindly follow a plan and say, okay, I did everything. Why am I not better? Right. You have to put them, you have to kind of put your own style on it. And that's, you know, that's, that's the separator, I think in a lot of programs. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. I think there's a lot of good information that we've uh, hit going through these individual phases and some details that hopefully um, will be helpful for perspective for other players that are dealing with obviously Tommy John injury, but honestly, especially if you're a baseball player, I don't care if it's your shoulder, your elbow, your hip, your back, you could learn something, you know, that going through the injury process is going through the injury process. Yes. Tommy John is a major injury, but you can take some of these same things into your own um, lessons. So I don't know, just to wrap it up, do you have any kind of big, uh, big takeaways? Um, like either something that you want people to know about going through Tommy John rehab. Yeah. We'll probably talk a lot on this, I guess. But, yeah. Um, I would say the biggest thing that's helped me not only with like what we just talked about previously in my throwing program and my approach to it was I had modus or now I think it's pulse, um, that strap and being, being able to use that and use the information in that, um, because it's not perfect. Like they're not, every throw is perfect. Not, it doesn't register every throw perfectly, but you're able to track your throws and your stress level of your throws, I think, which is hugely important. And talking, like communicating with you and Brett is you guys give me a workload for the day and then that's what I try to get to. So there's a couple of days I like where they're really high. I haven't been able to get there just because body may be fatigued, body's not feeling great, you know, with, with school, work, um, and rehab and training, all that stuff, all that stuff adding on. Some days you're not going to feel great. And it's okay to not reach that goal for that day, but just get do the best you can to get there. But the pulse has been, I think, instrumental in my throwing my throwing progression, my and my throwing routine, my process, because even before surgery, my arms never felt better in my life. And I'm throwing on my on my good days on my my I would say my my medium days, I'm up to like 150, 160 throws. And most people would think that's crazy, but as we've learned, like on a day that you would pitch in an actual game, if you're starting and you're going six, seven innings, you're gonna throw upwards of three hundred throws a day. And that's something no one really thinks about. It's like all the throws are all your throwing routine, like before before you throw your pregame bullpen and then you're then you're in the game, then you get your eight pitches during before you even pitch in the game. So no, we don't usually track those. It's a lot of throws. And I think using this pulse, uh, how I have, and then going forward has been, like I said, it's been instrumental. I think it's it's a good investment, whether you're injured or not. It's a great investment. I think it's only a hundred bucks. It'll, it'll help track, track your throwing. Yeah. And, you know, Connor's open to pulse sponsorships. You can reach him out. Yeah. No, but Definitely. seriously, I, uh, I agree. We've been using it more and more. Um, I've, I've used it in the past, and I think the technology keeps improving, but um, really 
kind of with a couple of the athletes that we've been working with lately, we've been using it as not just like a side component, but like a key component to kind of dictate what you're doing and monitor what you're doing on a day in day out basis. And, and have, I, I always say throwing programs should be written in pencil, not pen. And I think that the pulse sensor has allowed us to really make that come to life. But rather than just like guessing on, oh, based off how you feel, we can actually objectively say we need to do a little more or a little less today or this week or whatever based on kind of how the last month's yeah, gone, which definitely. has been awesome. Exactly. Because there's, there's been a couple of days like on a medium day or a high day, I, I go over by one or two. Maybe not two is about, I think two maybe even my most, but most of the time I usually go over by by one, one, one and a half of the workload number. And that's fine. Like, like you know, the, the program that you guys have that you set up, you, it, just, it just adjusts for that next day. And then the uh, biggest thing too is the recovery days is like, and talking with Carter about this, is like I don't go over three. So I get as many throws as I can in with a, a three workload. And that can be anywhere from 80 to 100 throws is where I'm at. So some days it's 80. Uh, generally, it's usually 80. Uh, most days, some other days, it could be 90. And on a really good day, which has happened in a while, but I can get to 100 throws. And people, you may think, oh, 100 throws on a recovery day. It's crazy. But it's I know I'm, I'm doing the plow care drills, and I'm not throwing it that hard. It's just it's just, it's just, just the same stuff I worked with at the start, just keeping my arm path um, in the same spot, those same drills, basically, uh, doing that over and over again. And that's part of the consistency, too. I like that. Uh, I don't, we talked about a little bit, but... It's just having that consistency in your throwing program week to week, you know, day to day, week to week, month to month is where you're going to make those gains. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. And then last thing, any, and maybe we hit on this earlier, so feel free to repeat yourself, but kind of biggest lesson that you're going to take from going through this kind of the rest of your career and baseball journey um, going forward. Yeah. I think just the amount amount of knowledge I've learned of, in, in throwing and baseball and like in training in general just you know as a professional athlete you you work out you train but like kind of we, we talked about a little bit like I used to get a program and I just kind of do it like I wasn't really you know I would get invested a little bit in it but I wasn't as invested as I have been as, as I came right before I had surgery when I when I started training to throw harder and then now that I've had surgery I'm in that process um, it's just all the stuff I've learned is is going to be so beneficial because I, I plan to coach when I'm done and I've learned so much to just be able to help, you know, the younger generations and pitcher, pitchers throw. Um, not even, I mean, I, maybe if they're not a pitcher, just a thrower, just be able to throw, throw the ball, you know, better, harder, and with more efficiency. So uh, it's been pretty cool just process going through and learning as much as you possibly can. And that's something that I never thought I was, that was going to happen when I went into it. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I think, uh, you know, it's, you've really turned a negative into a positive and really been been able to take, uh, honestly, a bad situation um, and turn it into to something for good. And I love that you've been willing to come on, kind of open up and share your share your experience. And um, hopefully if you're listening to this and dealing with some type of, of arm injury as a baseball player or honestly any athlete that's going through an injury process, hopefully something that Connor's talked about today can resonate with you and help you on your your journey. So Really appreciate your your time and your willingness yeah. to uh, to share. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mike, it was awesome, awesome to be here. Yeah. All right, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you guys in the next episode.